What's up, everybody? Love you guys. Check this out. Welcome to another episode of the Bowman Legacies podcast, where we are brought to you by Bowman Legacies, helping people build a legacy that will far surpass their legend through personal coaching and business coaching. We are also brought to you by author Grizz Waller and his new book, Selfish Acts of Righteous Man, a Western sci-fi action-packed thriller that will put you on your ear. Without further ado, I would like to welcome my guest today here on the Bowman Legacies podcast. I'm so excited about um, trying to get her on here. It was like trying to uh, twist a gorilla's arm. Uh, she is somebody who likes to be in the background and enjoys building foundational things and has done that many, many, many times. We're going to talk about that today. But uh, yeah, today, allow me to introduce to you, with all my privilege, all my joy, uh, my best friend, my lover, my wife, Anita Bowman. Welcome to the Bowman Legacies podcast. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Today, we want to talk about uh, the idea of, you know, the kind of the economic climate that we have today and starting a business like we have. And who better to talk to than someone who started from nothing like you did um, years ago, years ago, you know, uh, years ago uh, with your business of uh, being a hairstylist. And, you know, people, it's so funny because they'll sit there and they'll say, They'll say, oh, she cuts hair real pretty, you know, but she feathers hair real nice. <laughs> but the fact is, that's not what it's all about at all. You did much more than that. And you did it on a huge scale, being booked four months in advance, uh, sometimes five months in advance. You cut Anchor's hair for, for newscasting. Your name was in magazines. Um uh, different kind of product lines try to woo you to go work in New York City and so that started overnight, didn't it? I mean, you lived a privileged life. You had wealthy parents who kind of got you going and everything was perfect and you never met a hardship. No, that's not my story at all, <laughs> <laughs> actually. Um, when I first started, it was just something that I thought really sounded fun. Uh, I, when I got into school, I enjoyed it. It was kind of a creative outlet for me. And... I don't know. It just, the opportunities kind of came up and I just kind of took them as they, as they rose, you know, Yeah. I didn't really know what I was doing and I didn't really have a plan. Um, I didn't read any books on how to do this <laughs> the right way. There probably wasn't any. The written. 17 steps to self mastery and yeah. hairstyling. Yeah. Um, it was just something that I wanted to do. So I just started where I could, um, and with really no guidance. Yeah, so you kind of get me there. So often, you know, people who are listening today, I want to give you guys hope because you see an open door, you see an opportunity. And what Anita is just saying there at 17 years old, 17 is when you started, mm -hmm. you saw an open door and you're like, hey, this feels right. I'm going to do it. And so often I think that we overcomplicate. We think about what's my divine everlasting purpose to be placed upon this earth. Mm -hmm. And we so overcomplicate our purpose. We so overcomplicate what am I supposed to be when I grow up? As if you can't change, right? You've mm -hmm. got to pick one thing and that's it. Yeah. Um, I think 
I didn't grow up in a Christian home, and so I did not have what a lot of Christians deal with, I think, which is what does what's God's divine dream for me, you know, and I think a lot of people stress out about that, that they're going to miss something. So I didn't really have that to deal with because I didn't come from a Christian home. But for right. me, it was, you know, what can I do and make money and get out on my own as quickly as possible yeah. um, and not you know, fail because I didn't have, uh, my parents would have let me move back home if I didn't make it on my own, but that wasn't a choice for me. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to. Um, I wanted, once I was out, I wanted to be successful in that. So, uh, I just, I don't know. I, I, I had the opportunity to go to college. I had, um, scholarships and things waiting for me, but it just didn't feel right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the going to hair school, um, cosmetology just was kind of a fun outlet for me. And when I got started, um, I just, it was fun for the time. And I figured if this doesn't work, then I'll find something else to do, but I wanted it to work. So mm-hmm. I started looking for ways to make it more successful. I wasn't getting, you know, the appointments and uh, at first, and I was having a hard time, uh, staying busy and making the money that I needed to, to pay my rent and buy my groceries and all that kind of stuff. So I started looking for ways that I could, uh, be busier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you kind of were back in the corner. You didn't have a plan B, mm-hmm. right? You know, it's like, this is it. This is plan A. This is what I'm doing. And I'm going to make this successful. So you had to be determined to do that mm-hmm. in order to keep going. So you started and, you know, you went to hair school and everything was pretty easy. You, know, you never had any problems. And then you went right away and had clients and money was just flowing mm-hmm. like, like, like crazy, right? No, no. Back in those days, you know, I started my career in the 90s, in the mid 90s, and there was no Internet or, um, you know, people didn't connect in the way that they do nowadays. Uh, so it was just meeting people and trying to just get them to come and see you. So in the, in the early days, it was really tough because, you know, it was, I didn't have roommates, so it was just all on me. Yeah. I lived alone and it, you know, if I didn't have a paycheck, then that was it, you know? And so I took some part-time jobs and some, did some other things to just to make ends meet at first. But then really once I got busy, I started realizing that it wasn't about how much money I wanted to make, although that's always part of it. But I I realized that I wanted to be good at what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to be the best at what I was doing. Yeah. If I could, not to make anyone else look bad, just because I wanted to be better. Right. And so I started um, looking for educational opportunities yeah. to learn more. So let, let's go back real quick, just backtrack. You know, we didn't have Instagram back there. We didn't have the Instagram. And so uh, one of the things you used to say was, um, <laughs> used to say, that's my hair walking around over there. <laughs> and I remember, you know, seeing people in the community, especially when we moved to Lakeland, but um, you would point someone out and go, that's my hair. Now they would be walking away from you mm-hmm. and walking away from me. Then they would turn around and you were like, oh, well, that's. Jane, my, my, my client, Jane. Okay. I didn't know who it was, but I knew that was my hair. Mm -hmm. And so that was your advertising 
of how good you were was when someone walked around, people were asking them, you know, mm-hmm. how, who did you get your hair done by? Yeah. And my whole point to that is, you know, so often we complicate what it takes to do business. We complicate our passions. We complicate what it is that we want to do with our dreams. And here you are, you know, doing hair wasn't your dream, but this was something that you had an opportunity to do, found that you had a proficiency and then you enjoyed it. You could put your artistic flair into things and you saw something come to fruition. You said, you know, I'm going to put all of me in this Mm -hmm. so much so that I can tell who's walking around, number one, with my hair. And then you just had to be good. Yeah. You know, you just had to be good at what you were doing. So often here in our in our climate that we have nowadays, you don't have to be good. You just have to look good on Instagram or you have to look good on LinkedIn. It's like with Bowman Legacies, you and I and our our partner have had 20 years combined of well, 30 years combined of counseling people, helping people in their lives move forward. We are good at it. We're proficient at it. We love and enjoy doing it. And that's how we've gotten to where we are. Whereas a lot of people are just showing how good they are when they really don't have that reputation yet. Mm-hmm. You know, they've really not come to that place. But where you started was you, there was no Internet. You know, there was Internet, but goodness gracious, that was a joke. And then there, there, there was no Instagram, there was no LinkedIn, there was no Facebook. So the only way that you had to advertise was people walking around with your work mm-hmm. on their head. They were human billboards is what we used to refer to them. Oh, yeah. that's so good. Because human billboards. Once they left my seat, um, you know, they might tell their friends any number of things. <laughs> you know, it could be she was great yeah. or she did a great job, you know. Uh, giving me, you know, the style that I wanted or fixing my color or whatever it was. Or she could say, you know, she wrecked my hair. I'll never go to her again. And no one that I know will ever go to her. (laughs) She cut my hair. (laughs) Yeah. And um, or, you know, so there's in this particular profession, I found out that there was uh, part what you can do, like Mm -hmm. what you're capable of as far as creating a style that somebody wants like do i know how to do it and then can i recreate it yeah. can i look at a picture and recreate that and that took the education part in but then there was this other side of if i was a big jerk or a diva or you know um talking about bad about everyone to everyone that's oh, yeah. in my chair which we saw that you know i would or, hear that being in yeah. salons and saying, oh, so-and-so's terrible at so-and-so salon, and she does terrible work, mm-hmm. and here you are just thrashing that person's character. Right. But you and never did that. So the, the spa that I worked at, I worked at a day spa that had, you know, the other massage and facials and relaxation type of um, services as well, and we were very particular about working together as a team and not doing that. Yeah. And being professionals and kind of um, just doing things differently. And so we didn't talk about each other. We didn't compete with each other. We always helped each other. um, And we didn't spend a lot of time looking at the competition. We were just focused on what we were doing. And it it helped my business a lot because people um, appreciated that about me because when they walked away, they knew that I wasn't going to be sitting around talking about them. Mm -hmm. You know, so... Um, it, in a way that helped my business. Yeah. Um, 
See, I just said, um, I just told my wife, this is a little marriage part right here. I just like, watch your ums. And I start off with, um, <laughs> so, yeah, so pot calling the kettle black. <laughs> if you hear a big thump, that's me hitting the floor because she's decked me one. <laughs> um, no. So one thing I think that's so beautiful about your story is it's not like you had, you were, you were playing, you know, as a little kid and you looked up in the sky and said, I'm going to be a kick butt hairstylist someday. You took this open opportunity and then you made the best of it. You know, we both come by humble means, you more so than I. There wasn't a lot of hope in your upbringing. I don't want to hit that too much, but it was a very complicated uh, time of your life to to move forward and to grow up in. And you saw this open door, but then you made a decision. You said to yourself, I am not crossing this line. I am going not to go back. I've drawn a line in the stand. I'm taking this step forward, but I'm not crossing that line again backwards. I'm determined to do this. Mm -hmm. And then you decided to continue to educate yourself. So that's what I'm hearing right now. You continue to go and educate yourself so you could be better. You didn't claim to be better. You knew you constantly needed to grow, which by the way, you still do. I still watch you looking at things, learning new cuts and learning new things. So it's this ever evolving of mastery. Mm -hmm. So, you know, once you kind of feel like you've been there, done that and boy you've got the t-shirt and you know everything about it i really feel like you've 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 stifled your creativity you've killed mm -hmm. yourself and now you can't even move forward yeah. and then what is really awesome is you came into a situation where everybody that you were working for which was with is which is not common because i've seen you be in salons where everyone was attacking and stealing customers mm -hmm. yeah. and it was very corrosive atmosphere but you landed in such a place that people were looking at your art that you're working with and going, oh, I love what you did there. Or what about this? Or you're even being able to ask someone, you know, can I, what can I do better? Mm -hmm. So how long do you think now? So we're, we're not going to include the time that we lived in Indiana, but when we did live in Florida and you started your career back over because you did other things to supplement your income before you could continue with hair. When you first moved down there, you worked at a bank and then you, you, can, you landed a spot in a salon, which you had to try out for. So this was a high end salon. Yeah. It was a very well uh, known salon throughout the area, throughout Tampa, Orlando. And this was a, a prestigious thing. So what's cool about what you did is you took a chance. You didn't try out for the mediocre salon. You found out what the best salon in our area was. And you were like, you gave it a shot and you got in. Yeah. And so that was amazing for you. So how long did it take for you to be in such a place that you felt like your clientele was there? You were making, I'm not going to say great money, but you were making good enough money for you to go. This is finally starting to work. I mean, how long did that journey do you think took and let's, let's do include from Indiana working at salons to now working in this salon. How long did that take? It was multiple years, but I don't think it's really fair to include the move and all of that in there because I wasn't working consistently mm -hmm. in one place. When I interviewed for the first salon in Lakeland, uh, I wanted to I wanted to know where the college kids were going to get their hair done mm -hmm. because I wanted to be working in the place that was trendy. Mm -hmm. And that's where I worked for the first year of doing hair. Mm -hmm. And then I moved to another salon where I had opportunities to work for myself. Mm -hmm. So the first place I was... Which was a leap of faith. Which was, so, yeah. answer the question, Bowman. <laughs> How long do you think that it took you to get into a place where you felt like? When I got to the second shop, when I was mm -hmm. working for myself, probably 
I don't know, a year or two. Yeah, I'd say two years. Probably two years before I would comfortably say that I was booked. Right. And so when you're, when you're starting a dream and you're starting an endeavor, guys, look, first of all, dreams are funny. And my sister used to always say the dream often is, is better than the reality. And um, I've watched how s- several people just follow their dream, myself included, only to realize that my whole life was based on something that didn't suit me well and didn't, didn't fit me and really did a lot to kind of just suck at my soul, you know, and hurt me. But you here, you didn't complicate it. You're just like, hey, look, I have a proficiency for this. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep moving. And what I want our audience to realize is so many of you have dreams, so many of you things that you want to enact and do, but you have opportunity that's laying right in front of you. There are things that are glaringly obvious that you can be successful on and then make a dream of it. Nothing says that you are limited to one dream, right? Yeah. And you, you adapted, you, you know, you worked different jobs and then you found you had a proficiency for this while you were learning, you worked at other jobs mm-hmm. and in that you were great at. And any place that I've ever watched you be in, in our 23 years of marriage is I've, I've watched you be successful. No matter what you've put your hand to, you're always very dynamic and articulate and pragmatic about approaching things. And what I love is watching you take out a lot of the emotion Now, guys, I'm not saying you can't have a dream, but I'm saying that sometimes you've got to take some of your heart and emotion out of that dream so you can compute it, look at it practically, and then start making steps moving forward. You know, you go, oh my gosh. (laughs) So we're in this podcast, you have the dreamer and then you have the planner. I'm the dreamer. I am P.T. Barnum and I can make it as big as you want to, but I can't get you there. And my wife is like, okay, look, if we're going to do this, sounds great. Let's make some practical steps. And so even then, though, when you wanted to do hair in the very beginning, you couldn't just dream about doing hair. You had to get started and you sucked at it. Because you've never sure. done it before. Yeah. We all did in the beginning. Yeah, and, and so you took a leap of faith. So this, I, what I'm trying to draw you to is that, you know, the template hasn't changed for success or moving forward in a dream and doing something great for yourself. What you did is you took a risk right off the bat. Yeah. You may have been terrible at it. And then you got there. And then guess what? You were terrible at it. It's like sparring for the first time and getting punched in the nose. And you're like, wow, that hurts. So how scary was it for the first time that you had a live human being sitting in your chair in front of you? Oh, I, by the time you get out of school, you're over that completely. Your first live human being. Oh, in school? In school. Oh, totally. <laughs> yeah. Except really, there aren't a lot of customers that come into um, cosmetology schools because they're terrified of us. And so we really just cut and color and perm our own hair until... We graduate and we all have short pixie cuts. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And a a wind, it's like the brittle hair just kind of goes. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, yeah, by the time, two years of that and and you're over. You're desensitized. So, guys, look, I know there's sometimes there's this giant leap of faith. When we started Bowman Legacies, it actually started two years ago with a vision and a dream. And then we had not planned to launch until spring of 2021. Circumstances hit us where we had to take that leap of faith. And I could go work for someone else. And there were plenty of job offers. I mean, my goodness, if I wanted to move all over the country, they were all over the country. 
but we love the area that we're in. We're in love with it. Um, our kids are in love with it. And we decided that if we're not, we're, if we're going to do this, we have to do it now. If we're going to start a personal mentoring, personal coaching and, um, and business coaching company, why not now amidst COVID <laughs> amidst so many other things. And so I'm lucky in that I was able to have that template for success right in front of me, living, breathing, and I watched it happen. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget you and I dating and we're in your apartment and you're crying because you couldn't pay your bills. Mm-hmm. And I remember feeling so broken in my heart because I, I knew in that moment that I was in love with you and I had really hurt for you and I had never hurt for, for another person like I was hurting for you in that moment. I remember seeing the disappointing times where the, the catty salons that you were in, those women just being absolutely vicious and, and cutting people down and watching somebody literally sitting there in the lobby, not knowing, not knowing that I'm the fly on the wall and someone walk out of the door and immediately someone talks bad about them. Mm-hmm. And then to see you go into a place that was very competitive and young and vibey and cool, you know, and see you thrive there and then move and watch you hone your craft. Well, people, what you've got to understand is you've got to be good at what you do. But before you're good, you have to have a passion and a resolve to say, I'm not giving up. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep going. And I'm also going to tell you, the older you get, the harder it is to do sometimes because you have people in tow. It was one thing for me to go hiking and push the envelope and rock climbing without gear and do all this stuff when I wasn't married. It's one thing to to, to stand three feet from a mountain lion while I'm backpacking and just stare it down and not even think about it. But then when you're married and have children and you wake up on the, uh, the, in the Olympic and you come out of your tent, there's a cougar track, you about throw up because there's so much more risk involved the older you get. And so, um, but fortunately for me, I had the template living, breathing right next to me and watching you grow and move forward was an amazing thing. And by the time we left Lakeland, you were booked, what, four or five months in advance? Yeah. And, and then you became American board certified hair colorist. So what does that, what does that even mean? There is a national certification that you can get to really understand the chemistry behind hair coloring so that no matter who sits in your chair and who comes to you, no matter what their problem, their hair problem is, you can absolutely fix it with total confidence, a hundred percent. Because chemistry, just like in any other field, is predictable. And when you learn how to do hair, it feels like it's very unpredictable until Mm. you realize what you're doing can totally be, you know, something that you can do this. You get A, B, and C, you know, Mm -hmm. every time. You know, you follow the rules and you're going to get the same results every time. But just not being afraid to do those things. Mm -hmm. Um, And it just gave you, it's kind of like, you know, getting a... Uh, a master's degree in something that you're already doing. It's just mm-hmm. that next level. And I did that for myself, really, uh, because I just wanted to know more. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to be better at what I was doing. And I had clients who I had already known for several years who were coming to me say that they saw my confidence level was actually different when I came back from Chicago. We'd flown mm-hmm. to Chicago for the testing and 
Had the best pizza of our lives. The whole weekend we spent up there, and it Mm -hmm. was all day testing for two days straight. It was very, very hard. And just coming back from that, especially after I learned that I had passed, um, because we had to wait for those results. Yeah, you had to wait a, a couple of days. I think like, I we didn't we didn't find out in Chicago. We had to fly home. And yeah, I was a couple of weeks, I think. Oh, my gosh. And just having that confidence to know that, OK, I knew how to do this before, but now I have the confidence to know that I can do it without fail. Hmm. And that that what that allowed for me is people would. So it, there was a national advertising and that's when my name got in the magazines and I had a national uh, advertising on websites and all of that, where people could look up, you know, a hair colorist near me and mm-hmm. they could find my name and my phone number and they could get a hold of me. So it didn't matter who called um, or what their issue was, then I could confidently say, yes, I can fix it. Right. So time goes on. You're an absolute savage at what you're doing. Uh, shoot. I, I remember people coming up to me often going, aren't you Miss Anita's husband? And they wouldn't know my name, but they'd know yours. And then sheepishly try to get me to get them in with you, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, it was so bizarre. I'm like, look, I can't do I have no control over this. By the way, um, I didn't know that people were calling you Anita's husband yeah. until years later when you told me. <laughs> yeah, so I was Miss Anita's husband. That was great. No, I was super proud of you. And it didn't bother me. What made me mad was like, man, you I can't do this. You, I have no control over what she does. <laughs> but then all of a sudden you had been working using a product line. We're not going to mention this product line because I don't know if we can uh, on the podcast. But this product line had a um, very prestigious salon in New York City. And um, you got an offer to come and cut and color there and, and be a trainer for there for them. What would that feel like when you look back at, you're very humble. When I say humble, she moved around a lot. She had a lot of uh, huge obstacles to get past in her life. Um, Not a wealthy background. You know, anything that I've ever seen my wife get, she worked her butt off to get. She had extreme determination and uh, often was made fun of it when she was younger. But it was this want for more for herself, not to be better than anyone, but more. So how was it like for you to look back at that and, and know that here this product line is now asking you, hey, let's, it's, let's level up? I don't know. I, I think that I have always just taken things in life in stride as they come. You know, it was kind of like the reason to go to cosmetology school instead of a traditional four-year college. It just was an opportunity that was in front of me. And I didn't think to, I don't spend a lot of time looking backwards. I was just looking at the opportunity and running with it. <laughs> right. It sounded like a good thing to do. And, mm-hmm. and you know, I bet this particular product line, I became an educator for my, for our area. Mm-hmm. So I was able to do classes locally, mm-hmm. but then the next step was to, you know, be employed possibly in one of their bigger schools, which of course their top school is in New York City. And that didn't jive too well, you know, as far as moving and logistics and all that kind of stuff. But it was something that we were definitely talking about. Mm-hmm. I don't think that I ever was like, wow, you know, here, <laughs> here's where I used to be and now look where I am now. It just, it was more like, wow, that sounds fun. Yeah. Let's go do that. Is you it? know, and it, it just, I don't know. I, I, 
I say I'm definitely a planner. I'm definitely, yeah. a, when we go on vacation, we're yeah. staying here, we're stopping here, we're getting gas here. And, <laughs> and I'm like, ooh, and we're blue, do, shiny. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so definitely the planner in that way. But but then there's this other artistic side of me too. Yes. Yeah. It's the reason why I went from the college kids <laughs> salon to working on my own was yeah. uh, they were trying to stifle my creativity. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't want that. So right. that was the creative side of me going, you're not going to tell me what to do. You're right. I'm going over here so I can make my own choices with so, a plan. So what's, <laughs> what's so beautiful to me was in, and we have to back up because you, you move forward so fast and I'm so enamored. Um, I'm just like, yeah, okay. <laughs> you're great. You're pretty. You smell good. Um, so when I look back at, you know, we've met a lot of successful people in our lives. You and I both jointly knew several millionaires of which one, uh, had was the nicest guy we've ever known and so giving, but still looking for so much more in his life. Uh, many years ago when we met this guy and I remember him saying things like, you know, I would just, I'd give it all away if I had purpose or if I had, you know, he had met the top and you see these movie stars who get the Oscar and it's not enough. And they, and they just become so dissatisfied, um, fighters, you know, who, who have reached the pinnacle and have just whooped up on everybody. And then they're like, well, what's now I'm rich. I've got everything I ever wanted. And here you are in this opportunity where they're like, Hey, look, it's time for you. You look, you know, you've made it. It's Hollywood time. And you're like, so what? I, your motivation was more moving forward and less than this destination of what would make you happy. Mm-hmm. It's this constant state of moving forward. For me, I'm a dreamer, so I'm always seeing this destination. And then when I arrive, I find myself, not so much now, but when I was younger, when I would arrive to that spot, I would find it to be hollow mm-hmm. and then forget to have enjoyed the journey along the way because I'm so tunnel focused on that spot. Yeah. And for you, it wasn't like that at all. You got to the spot, but you kept just naturally going Oh, cool. That's something I could do. Oh, cool. Let's just keep moving forward and let's just keep moving forward. And that also kept you from tying you down to one dream mm-hmm. that it didn't. It, it was did, always changing. Yeah. And you allowed it to, though, very naturally, which Anita, I'm telling you so many people that I deal with on a daily basis don't. They they can't. They, they allow the dream or the journey. They want to manipulate it. Mm-hmm. They want to control it. But you are so you are so like water in that you're just willing to flow with it mm-hmm. and see the wise opportunities. You don't get too hung up when you have losses. No, I don't have time for it, really. It's like time <laughs> to move on to another plan. Yeah. Okay, so savage. Out. No, I mean, really. And so I don't know what that attributes to. Uh, I moved a lot as a kid, and so I learned how to become flexible. You know, I was always the new kid, so I learned how to speak up more and make mm. friends and And I think just the nature of my industry was, you know, fashion is always changing every season, every year, constantly changing. We were always looking for the next new thing. So the next new hairstyle means, okay, now I have to go take a class and learn how to do that so that I can offer to my clients. And that's how I kept Mm -hmm. my clientele fresh Mm -hmm. was that I was always learning so that I can give them the next thing that they're seeing in magazines. And in a way that propelled me to look for opportunities for education because I never wanted to be doing, you know, the mullet. Yeah. <laughs> Which is back. Oh my God. 30, 40 years. With a vengeance. 
Yeah, you don't learn how to do one haircut and then give it to everybody, you know? Right. And then it is, so it's always changing. And so I think mm-hmm. that that's just become part of, it's just like brushing my teeth every day, you know? It's just right. what I do. Yeah. It's just the nature of what I do. Well, we're reaching uh, very closely to the end of our time. Actually, we've surpassed it. We'd like to try to keep it to 20 minutes, but um, we it's very worth going over because uh, what I see here, guys, from Anita's story and a story that we hear told over and over and over again is that, look, the dream, I appreciate the dream. I think the dream's a beautiful thing. But in life, if you want to continue to be happy, you've got to be nimble. And you've got to be, you've got to flow like water. And it's not about, it really, as cliche as it is, it is not the destination. It's the journey getting there. So don't forget to have joy. Don't forget to enjoy every day and enjoy the people that you share life with. And I've watched this go out through uh, a, a woman whose life has been nothing but a representation of resilience mm-hmm. and being able to deal, deal with disappointment in such a an amazingly pliable way. Whereas I'm more rigid with disappointment. I get crestfallen because I put my heart on the line for everything that I do because I'm so passionate. That also makes me successful, but it also makes me hurt longer than it should. I lost a client last week because I didn't feel that they were clear on the scope of work. I didn't want to pressure them just to make money. And I feel like they weren't comfortable. But inside, I was very disappointed because I felt like that this was an opportunity for our organization to move forward. And then I look over and you're smiling and I'm crestfallen and you're smiling. And what's so beautiful about that moment, and I have to thank you for it, is that you were like, Mike, you've got to understand we're learning. And to move forward, we've got to continue to learn. We've got to continue to hone ourselves and fashion ourselves. We can't be disappointed. We have to learn from this moment and build upon it. And I think those are the elements of success. I think, guys, another element of success is link shields with beautiful people. I'm a deeply flawed human being. And to share my life with a person who is not scared of me and scared of those scare, the things that I'm scared of in me, and who has such phenomenal grace and understanding of the man that I am and still loves me anyway and is there to support me has been an amazing thing. You have to surround yourself with people who can feed the vision. If you're a visionary like I am, someone who can look into someone's life and I say, I see the vision and I can see the steps, but can't do it for myself, link shields and have people share the vision that can, that will support you. I mean, honest to God, guys, I've looked at my wife and said, I kind of want a circus. (laughs) Yeah, I need a train. I need a train. Okay, that's the saying. There's a little look into the Bowman household. I constantly am saying, boy, that property is beautiful, but it needs a steam engine. (laughs) And it needs a little western town over there. And it needs a lake. I mean, like a 70-acre lake. And so the joke is, even my kids go, man, that's beautiful, but it needs a train. And so we say that about all kinds of things. If you're that kind of person, you need to link shields with people that say, I'm not scared of that either. Yeah. And you're not afraid of that. No. It's so beautiful to me. And I, and I love you. I appreciate you. I thank you for being on the show and doing just one more whim that I, <laughs> that I have. <laughs> but I also want to say that we've not even scratched the surface of the beauty that is Anita Bowman, the beauty that is our important relationship, our friendship that goes way beyond just a physical connection and a wedding ring. Uh, You are my best friend. You have been a mentor and a coach to me in my life. You've been an inspiration to me. You've been my heart and soul and my passion. 
and you mean the absolute world to me. And there's been times when I know that I have fallen short of the person that you are, but the fact that you are the person that you are, you've given me the grace to be able to move forward and to grow. And that's some of the key elements to a successful relationship, not just a successful business or a successful time chasing your dream. Everyone, we want to thank you so much for being here and listening once again to the Bowman Legacy podcast. We are brought to you by Bowman Legacies. We coach and mentor you both in your personal life and in your business life. We are also brought to you again by Grizz Waller and his new book, Selfish Acts of Righteous Men. Even my wife, who is not a dreamer and terribly into sci-fi, has read this book and she loved it. (laughs) And so it is an amazing book soon to come, soon to be seen on Amazon. We're really pumped and excited about that. You guys, thank you so much for listening and keep building that legacy that will far surpass your legend.